0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, has the legislative filibuster become the sword of Damocles that Democrats are holding over the heads of Republicans in the U.S. Senate?
2: I believe that big, bold action is an imperative. But if they don't, our caucus will come together, and we will discuss the best way to produce that big, bold action. And as I've said before, Everything, everything is on the table.
1: That was Senator Chuck Schumer late last week complaining that Republicans are not coming along. We'll get more on the prospects of the Democrats upending the filibuster from Oklahoma Senator James Langford. He'll also weigh in on the crisis on our southern border, which he saw firsthand last week. And
3: so today I'm proposing a plan for the nation that rewards work, not just rewards wealth.
1: That was President Joe Biden just moments ago in Pennsylvania unveiling his two plus trillion dollar jobs, infrastructure and green energy plan that many are warning will be a dangerous detour that could kill the economic recovery that was fueled by the tax cuts of the Trump administration. Pennsylvania Congressman Scott Perry joins me with more. And all eyes are on Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchison as he will decide the fate of the SAFE Act a measure that will protect teens from often irreversible procedures being pushed in this transgender craze that is being advanced by the left. The author of the bill, Arkansas State Representative Robin Lundstrom, is here with the latest. And yesterday, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken uh, began
0: the rollback
1: of Trump-era foreign policy.
0: It's one of many steps, along with revoking the Mexico City policy, withdrawing from the Geneva Consensus Declaration, resuming support for the United Nations Population Fund uh, that we're taking to promote women's health and equity at home and abroad.
1: We'll be joined by former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo later here on Washington Watch. The website TonyPerkins.com if you're on Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. Let me remind you tonight, PrayVoteStand.org is where you can tune in to watch PrayVoteStand. 8 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be joined by Franklin Graham will be with us tonight. Uh, As we zero in on what's happening in Arkansas, we'll also be joined by Robin Lundstrom, the author of The Bill. So join us tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Also want to welcome our friends and new listeners in Rockford, Illinois and southern Wisconsin area listening to us on The Lighthouse, WFEN, 88.3 a.m. A A special thanks to the station manager, Matt Miller, and Pastor Marsha Ash for making this possible we're also delighted to be expanding our listener, uh, listening audience in Illinois through this partnership between the Lighthouse and Washington Watch. So welcome to the Washington Watch family. All right, The Biden administration, for the first time yesterday, allowed representatives from the press inside a Customs and Border Protection facility where they were able to witness unprecedented overcrowding due to the recent surge of migrant children and families at the border. We're going to be talking about that and this effort by the Democrats to hold over the head uh, of Republicans the legislative filibuster. As if they don't come along with us in our agenda, we're going to eliminate this filibuster and force everything through. Joining me now to talk about this and more, Oklahoma Senator James Langford. Senator, welcome back to the program.
4: Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you.
1: Well, let me start with the filibuster issue. Then I'm going to get your take on what is happening at the border. Uh, So is this an apt description that the, the Democrats are holding this over the head of Republicans saying, if you don't come along with our agenda, we're going to have to blow up the legislative filibuster and drive everything through?
4: That is exactly what's happening. Literally, the Democrats have created a crisis and then saying to solve the crisis, they need to be able to blow everything up and do it their way. They they did more filibusters for President Trump in that time period than any other time in American history. And then now that Biden has taken office, President Biden steps up and says the filibuster is being overused. So now we just. (laughs)
1: Nope, I think we may have uh, lost the senator. Let's see if we get him back. Um, Let me there. there, He's back. Okay, saying that yeah.
4: Uh, so I apologize for that. I'm actually in Oklahoma right now, people territory, uh, but uh, challenged on a little bit of cell phone coverage, as you can tell. But uh, the Democrats literally caused this issue by having more filibusters than any time in American history when they, that they did against President Trump and in the Senate time period. And then President Biden announces that because there's so many times the filibuster has been overused, they need to just get rid of it. That is absolutely absurd. Uh, we need to be able to protect the rights of the minority. Uh, that's what the filibuster is really all about. And so for Democrats to be able to step up and say we don't believe in minority rights anymore is a very bizarre place for them to be able to try to stand and to say the American people should not be heard.
1: Well, it's 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 beyond just the m- minority rights. Now, a, a few years ago, there was a big push by conservatives to eliminate the filibuster right after Trump's election, which I was opposed to, because I, I feel like it, it it serves a vital purpose in fact, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader, made, I think made this statement uh, maybe last week on the Senate floor, is that you know, if, you, if you run the, the Senate just like you do the House, every time there's a change of, uh, of, of power, you, you could get a radical push of legislation one way or the other, which not only creates instability domestically, but internationally it creates instability and makes America undependable by our allies.
4: That's correct. 33 Democrats in 2017 wrote a letter to Chuck Schumer and to Mitch McConnell at that time, 33 senators from the, from the Senate, and said there should not be any changes to the filibuster. We need to protect the rights of the minority voice always, and this should be a long-term tradition. Now all but two of those Democrat senators have all said, no, we just need to punt it. And uh, when, when asked, they would say the only difference is the change in president. Uh, so th- this is absurd to try to just change the rules in the middle. The uniqueness about the filibuster is this forces the one place in government where all sides have to be heard. Yeah. That is a benefit to us, not a detriment to us. It doesn't happen in the Supreme Court or in the White House or in the House of Representatives. It only happens in the Senate where we make sure that every single bill, every single issue, all voices are heard, the debate is finished, and then you move forward lots of common ground. We've got a lot of common ground as Americans but if you get a situation where it's a simple straight majority on everything, then that will rapidly push through things and we'll have rapid transitions in in our nation where we're used to having the stability of our nation.
1: Right. Absolutely. It is the one point where you can move toward consensus, uh, which creates the balance that we need in, in our society and in our government. So I uh I'm concerned by what I'm hearing, the saber rattling of the Democrats. And I feel that uh, they're just waiting for a couple of uh, measures they push through that they don't get the votes from Republicans because the stuff is so far reaching uh, that they'll then blow up the filibuster. But this uh, could have quite significant ramifications. And, of course, we should m- remind people that it's 50-50 Senate right. or one heartbeat right. away from the majority sw- uh, shifting to the other side.
4: That's correct. And the, the odd thing is that now, after the Democrats have used the filibuster so many times in the last four years, now the line they continue to say is, if you agree with the filibuster, you agree with the Jim Crow era and you're a racist if you support the filibuster. That's, it was absolutely absurd when they used it hundreds of times in the last four years. It's absolutely absurd now. This is not a relic of racism. This is a stabilizing part of our government where we have dialogue force the majority to listen to the minority, no matter who's in majority or minority, and then to be able to walk through for common ground so that that, this is a good thing, not a racist,
5: evil thing.
1: And, And I know that this probably gets overstated, but I do think this is instructive when you look at the blatant hypocrisy where, you know, as you said, 33 Democrats signed a letter saying we need to keep the filibuster in place. That was during the Trump administration. Now they're saying, oh, no, we don't want it. We don't need it. It's racist. It's, uh, it goes back to the Jim Crow era. we got to get rid of it. So I, you cannot trust. I think this what this shows. You cannot trust a single word they say.
4: Right. And I would tell you, I strongly support the statements of Senator Joe Biden, because when he was in the Senate, he was an outspoken advocate for the filibuster to be able to protect that. And so if we're going to talk about do I support Senator Biden or President Biden, uh, if that seems to be two different people, because now President Biden wants to get rid of what he was protecting when he was in the Senate.
1: Yeah, uh, true. Uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, Let's talk now about the border. You were down at the border last week. What did you see?
4: I saw children packed very tightly in the places and I understand completely why Joe Biden is trying to keep the cameras out of that area. There were two shocking aspects that really caught my attention. Overnight on Thursday night, we went to an area where the Border Patrol is literally checking in people and releasing them into the country as if it is a hotel reception area, uh, where if you come across the border and you have a family unit with a child that's less than six in your family, then you are processed and released into the country within two hours. Uh, when you come into the country, there there is no other background checks or any tracking. There's no COVID testing. There's no anything. They come straight in the country. They're released to be able to go anywhere they want in the country. It's completely open for them. For the unaccompanied minors that are coming across, the 17 years old and younger, they're being sent to the Donna, Texas facility. In one of the pods I was in, that pod is designed to hold 80 people. When I was there, there were 709 all packed in shoulder to shoulder in that area, and many of them have been there 10 days in those in that kind of conditions. Uh, it is absolutely horrible what is, what is occurring to those kids that are there, and uh, it is a problem of President Biden's own making. With the change in policy that he had, getting rid of the way that uh, President Trump had handled things, the border was stable at that point, yeah. and there was a lot of construction that's happening on the border fencing. Uh, those policies were all taken away, and very predictably, now we have a rush at the border again.
1: Yeah, I was uh I was going to ask you. I I was there a year ago uh, at the border. And it was like a ghost town. Uh right. in fact, I went, took two trips last year, one uh down in California, other in Texas. And uh, the last one almost uh, almost exactly a year ago in California. And 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 there was very very few people coming through uh because the process had been s- set up where they would stay in Mexico and when their number was called, they would be processed. Um right. This is a crisis, as you said, of Joe Biden's own making. But let me ask you this. How are they going to resolve this crisis?
4: Currently, President Biden has only said don't come. That's all he's done uh, to this point. But he's sent a signal with his actions very different than with his words. Uh, With his actions, they're allowing every family that has a six-year-old or younger in the family to be able to come on into the country basically with a two-hour delay at the border, and then they're into the country where they want to go. Unaccompanied minors are sent anywhere in the country that they choose to be able to go, but it's taking so many people to be able to process all those folks. Uh, The Border Patrol was telling me they have hundreds of people that are single adults that are crossing the border and other border areas that they can't cover because all the border personnel are actually being used to be able to check in these other folks. So in reality, we're open. And until President Biden changes the policies, actually secures the border again, uh, as it was before, this is going to continue to be an issue.
1: It's not only humanitarian crisis. This is a security crisis for the nation.
4: It is. And just that area in the Rio Grande Valley where I was just this year alone, Border Patrol told me they have apprehended people from 56 different countries, 56 different countries. This is just not all people from Central America. They're from all over the world and they're coming through.
1: Wow. Another no, another example of the consequences of elections. Uh, Senator James Langford, thanks so much for joining us.
4: Glad to be able to join you. Thanks, Tony.
1: All right, to find out more about Senator Langford, go to the website, TonyBerkins.com, follow the links over. If you're new to Washington Watch, uh, you might be new to Senator Langford. Great guy. We have him on the program fairly regularly. If you're a regular listener, you know that. But, uh, you know, when you hear these guys on here and gals, take an opportunity, if you can, to send them a note and thank them for serving in our nation's capital. All right, coming up next, President Biden unveiling his infrastructure plan. We talk with Congressman Scott Perry next. Don't go away.
6: Hey, Matt.
7: Hey, Hannah.
6: What's going on? Why so gloomy?
7: Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it.
6: Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do?
7: Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it.
6: Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard. But one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out.
7: When did they start? I I would be so far behind.
6: Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading.
7: Nice. Where can I find this?
6: Go to FRC.org slash Bible and you can get started.
7: Where's that again?
6: FRC.org
7: slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now.
8: In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, Check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the world's foremost violator of religious freedom. To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to FRC.org slash North Korea.
1: Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, He addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me again encourage you to tune in tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time, for our weekly edition of Pray Vote Stand. I'll be joined by Franklin Graham. And actually, my guest will be coming in the next segment, the author of the Arkansas SAFE Act, uh, Robin Lundstrom, will be joining us as well. All right. Just um, within the last hour, uh, President Joe Biden was in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Uh, announcing his 2.2 trillion dollar infrastructure plan now it's called infrastructure plan but it 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 contains a whole lot more Uh, here's a short clip of what he had to say earlier
3: it's a -a once-in-a-generation investment in America unlike anything we've seen or done since we built the interstate highway system and the space race decades ago in fact it's the largest American jobs investment since World War II. It will create millions of jobs, good-paying jobs. It will grow the economy, make us more competitive around the world, promote our national security interests, and put us in a position to win the global competition with China in the upcoming years. It's big, yes. It's bold, yes. And we can get it done.
1: Uh, I think we cut it off before it said it's the best thing since sliced bread. Um, Think about this for a moment. Now, um, let me just talk about what it's going to take to accomplish this. Uh, In part, it's going to be funded by debt, more debt. Uh, The rest of it's going to be funded by tax increases. Uh, We're talking about the corporate tax rate uh, from 21 percent, which was uh, cut by Donald Trump from, uh, in fact, it went from 35% down to 21%. It was a huge cut. And that's what really fueled the economic growth and the job creation in this country. We're going to take that back to 28%, which is actually higher. We want to be competitive with China. I'm not sure how you compete with China. But we'll be higher than China's 25% corporate tax rate. And that's going to supposedly create all of these jobs, this is, the, this is the, another one of those areas of contrast between uh, Republicans and Democrats, that government is the job creator. That's what Democrats think, that if we just give money to government, government's going to create jobs. Those are not jobs that have a multiplying effect on the economy. It's the private sector that creates jobs that have the multiplying effect because it's not taking any money out of the economy involuntarily. It is taking profits, reinvesting them in expansion and in growth. And that has a multiplier, a multiplying effect, basic economics. Now, Now, I will say this, okay, Uh, I got to say this, and we're waiting. Uh, I I don't know if uh, uh, Congressman Perry was actually in the Biden speech. I doubt it, Uh, but I don't know. Maybe he got caught up there. I'm going to say this after saying all that about the corporate tax structure. I'm not sympathetic, okay? Now, I think it's going to hurt the economy. It's going to hurt you, but I'm not sympathetic for corporate America. They actually got what they asked for. Corporate America has become the really in the hip pocket of the left. They they're so afraid of their own shadow. And so they have given rise to these liberal leftists. I shouldn't say liberal. They're leftists. And that is what this what where these policies come from. In fact, look like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, tweeted this out about Biden's effort in this infrastructure plan. Quote, this is not nearly enough. This is not nearly enough. $2.25 trillion. Increase in taxes. Not enough. Sure, it's not enough for the left. It'll never be enough for those that think government should control everything and should take care of everything. These people do not live in the real world. It is the private sector that creates jobs, good jobs, lasting jobs. It is what makes America competitive. And here's the concern, is that this is going to be um, a, a detour for the economic recovery that America has been on. And it's going to be a dead end because government will never, never create the kind of jobs we need. All right. We have uh, Congressman uh, Scott Perry. He represents the 10th Congressional District of Pennsylvania, and he serves on the House Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure. Congressman, welcome to the program.
2: Hey, thanks, Tony. Thanks for all your work. God bless you. What can what can we say? It's been an interesting day, huh?
1: Well, I, I figured you were probably in the Biden motorcade, and that's why you got hung up. Huh. But So, so I, 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 I extend grace to you on that. Uh, but just talking about this, your your thoughts, initial thoughts on the proposal, since you're going to see it in your committee.
2: Yeah. Um, first of all, just think about this in the proposal itself, as I understand it, uh, uh, abolishes right to work, which is, uh, you know, the right to not pay union dues if you choose not to. And it's not whether you're anti-union or pro-union. It should be uh, whether you have the freedom in America to make this choice with your hard-earned dollars and 27 states have chosen you know to do that and this would of course abolish that but you know trillions of dollars in spending and of course they're calling it an infrastructure package but let's be very clear here and these are these are my words but in the you know the the maker or the uh, prime sponsor of the green new deal in the senate said that it is not an infrastructure package it is it is indeed the green new deal and when you look at billions of dollars being spent on things like uh, electronic electric vehicle charging stations just think about that I mean how many of you have thought that, that it was appropriate to pay your taxes uh, for gas stations to be built the private sector built them out because because there was uh, they, they could fund those with private equity and make money on their investment But yet now we're going to compete with the private sector and try and and, and force you to pay for it and then force you to drive an electric vehicle when we have the grid collapsing in places like California and Texas on occasion. So this is a concerning. These are concerning policies to me.
1: Right. A a shocking revelation for some, but not for conservatives who understand how the economy works. Uh, Congressman, we're out of time in this segment. I want to thank you for joining us. We'll we'll get back together with you and talk more as this makes its way through. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. God bless you. All right. Congressman Scott Perry, a great guy. All right. Coming up next, uh, we're going to Arkansas to check in on the SAFE Act, which is on the governor's desk. That's next. Don't go away.
9: The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting FRC.org slash China.
8: Oh man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today.
5: Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news.
6: Wow, I'd definitely use
5: that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download, or search Stand Firm in the App Store.
6: Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this?
5: Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story.
6: Huh? Huh?
1: On on Monday, the Arkansas Senate passed by a 27 to 8 vote the Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act, or the SAFE Act, which protects children from dangerous drugs and irreversible surgeries on the unscientific theory that they were born in the wrong body. This is a part of this transgender craze that's being pushed by the left all across America. The bill is now with the governor, Governor Asa Hutchinson who has until Monday morning at 8.44 a.m. Central Time, to be precise, to sign it, veto it, or allow it to become law without his signature. Now, here at the Family Research Council, we've been working to rally support behind this legislation and getting people to reach out to the governor and encouraging him to do the right thing. And you can do that by going to TonyPerkins.com and following the links over. Now, this needs to be done because, in terms of your voice, your activity, because the left is putting a lot of pressure on him to veto this, because this will be one of the first in the nation. And there's other states poised to do it, but they want to try to stop this before it ever gets started. This is an issue that has become very uh, prevalent when we're talking about the sports issue, transgenderism, and we've we've seen states pass those measures. This deals with the issue of the basically mutilation of teenagers' bodies. And as pointed out, this is irreversible in many cases. Uh, So where does it stand? What are the prospects? Why is this important? Joining me now to talk about this is the bill sponsor, uh, Representative Robin Lundstrom. Robin, welcome back to the program.
5: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Okay, so um, this is now on the governor's desk, waiting for him to make a decision. Any idea what the governor may do?
5: No, I have no idea. I know he cares about kids, so I'm hopeful. But I think he needs to hear from people that he's got that we have his back, and that he has the support of the people of Arkansas, and and that's up to us now. We need to let him know. I'm sure the loud left. And I'm going to use that term loud left is being extremely uh, vocal. But I know there are people on both sides of the aisle that care about kids. And this is important to speak up for kids. We're not telling adults what to do, but we are protecting children. So this is important.
1: Now, I know I gave uh, kind of a 30,000 foot view of this legislation. Did I miss anything? Explain exactly what this does.
5: Well, precisely, it prohibits sex change procedures on children. And there are two ways to do that. There's, of course, surgically, but then there's also the chemical. This is giving drugs to children that are puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. And so when a child says, hey, I feel like I'm transgender, and they put that pressure on the parent. And it's scary as a parent to face something like this. But there is counseling, and the bill doesn't block counseling. Sadly, the bad guys have gone out and told everybody that this is going to take away health care from transgender children and that is simply not true. This provides all the health care for children that any child would need, but it doesn't and it stops. Hopefully, this is what we hope it will do, is stop any gender reassignment procedures on a child. And we know that you can't take that back. Right. And these kids are extremely vulnerable and they need to know that they are cared for. I think we're going to have in a, in a few years, kids that are going to want, turn around and wonder, "Where are all the adults? Right. Where were you? Why didn't you do something?"
1: So, yeah, we're already hearing we're, we're hearing that from those that went through this process. Many tr- those individuals that have uh, ch- were, were transgender and are reversing that, or attempting to reverse that, are saying, "You know, I wish someone mm-hmm. would have said something."
5: mm mm-hmm. We are. You know, it, I it's, hope people call- Call the governor's office, and I hope they will go on the website, sign the and I hope they'll call the governor's office and have the governor's back.
1: You know, Robin, it, what what uh, it kind of indicates to me that this is more political than it is a health issue is that on almost any other decision that a, a underage individual would make, with the exception of abortion and that now transgenderism. We won't let them make those decisions uh, because we consider them to be too young and impressionable to make such decisions. But yet two decisions that could alter, will alter uh, their lives in dramatic ways. And in some cases, as we're talking about here, irreversible, we say, oh, we, we shouldn't restrict their ability to do that.
5: You're completely correct. And and I have a, a list and it, it goes on and on. But just to give you a short idea, alcohol, tobacco driving, drugs, smoking, you can't go in a casino, Um, purchase a lottery ticket, a hotel room, you can't rent a hotel room, Um, open a bank account, rental property, Um, spray paint. You can't even purchase spray paint or change your name, but we're going to let them change or try to attempt to change their gender. That doesn't work. No wonder these kids are so vulnerable. Um, Somebody who is going through this process of trying to reassign their sex, is 19 times more likely to commit suicide. These kids
1: are vulnerable and they need protection. Wow, uh, that music means we're out of time. But Robin, you're going to be joining us tonight for our pray vote stand. So we look forward to continuing that conversation tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Robin, thank you for being with us and thank you for your courageous leadership there in Arkansas. Uh, it's a
5: team effort. Thank you for having
1: me. All right, and folks, tune in for more tonight. Prayvote Stand. You can tune in at prayvotestand.org. State Representative Robin Lundstrom will be joining us, as well as Franklin Graham. All right, coming up next, the era of Trump's foreign policy, which was pro life, pro family, pro religious freedom, has now ended. We'll be talking about it next with the former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. Don't go away. We're back with more right after this.
7: Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com.
6: Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash hide.
10: What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, the U.S. State Department released its latest human rights report yesterday and made clear that the previous administration's priorities will not be the priorities of this administration. In particular, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken hailed sexual and reproductive rights as human rights.
0: It's one of many steps along with revoking the Mexico City policy, withdrawing from the Geneva Consensus Declaration, resuming support for the United Nations Population Fund uh, that we're taking to promote women's health and equity at home and abroad. Because women's rights, including sexual and reproductive rights, are human rights.
1: Well, how many times I need to tell you elections have consequences in, I mean, really internationally there's whiplash uh, with what is happening. But Secretary Blinken didn't stop there. He also slammed the recently disbanded Commission on Unalienable Rights that was created under the State Department during the Trump administration by Secretary Pompeo, calling its view on human rights, quote-unquote, unbalanced.
0: Uh, There is no hierarchy that makes some rights more important than others. Past unbalanced statements that suggest such a hierarchy, including those offered by a recently disbanded State Department advisory committee, do not represent a guiding document for this administration at my confirmation hearing i promised the biden harris administration would repudiate those unbalanced views we do so decisively today
1: with me now to talk about this and more is the former secretary of state mike pompeo mike welcome back to the program
11: great to be with you tony thank you for having me on today especially here during holy week
1: absolutely and actually that's probably a good place to start uh, and I'm, I'm going I'm to take his last statement, uh, basically uh, dismissing the work that the Commission on Unalienable Rights did. That it, basically, he's saying that there, there is no hierarchy. All rights are equal. All rights are human rights. But there has to be a foundation. And that is why your administration, the, the Trump administration and the department under your leadership, put a heavier emphasis on religious freedom.
11: You know, Tony, uh, it, was, it was sad to hear yesterday that the work of the commission that uh, I had put together, but this was people, you, you know many of them, Tony, people from every uh, major religion, people from across the political spectrum, there were Democrats and Republicans, we put together a commission that was chaired by Professor Marianne Glendon. And it was it was singularly focused on understanding human rights. We are each made in the image of God, and there are a certain set of rights that come with that. And in the American tradition, our founders talked about that and thought an awful lot about that. So we worked really hard, and the commission developed a a 60-page document. I hope people will go read it. You can't hardly find it on the State Department website anymore. They have buried it because the progressive left has demanded that they do so. But it's out there. You can find the PDF. It takes just a bit to read, but it comes back to these fundamental rights that we each have uh, because... In fact, we are endowed by our creator with them and not from some government. And to, to now watch uh, this administration uh, declare that the government can, in fact, create rights or destroy rights and that they are these are political creations, not things that are inherent in the traditions of our country and in the nature of humanity um, is something that, uh, you know, I, I suspect that they probably would consider. But when it's it's, it's really sad when you see what happens. I, I've watched... Uh, people all around the world read the report that professor glendon and the commission put together the world's largest muslim uh organization the uh, halda lama in indonesia and jakarta had taken this on board they too were coming to understand human rights in their tradition and uh this, this is something that I, I think america will regret but your point about elections having consequences is real and it's um it's something that I'm committed to continuing to build upon, in spite of what the State Department decision was yesterday.
1: Well, Mr. Former Secretary, d- just to, to dwell on this for a moment, because I know we've talked about this, but I think a refresher is good for our listeners. And while this administration has been dismissive, I still think this is a very valuable contribution to our understanding going forward of rights. I mean, what what the Commission did is they took the and looked at the connection between America's constitutional principles, the 1948 Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and our U.S. foreign policy. And as you alluded to, that if we approach, as this administration is, that these rights are created, positive rights is created by the government, the government can take them away. What you were doing and what this commission was doing was going down to the bedrock of what is the foundation of human rights? What are those universal Human rights that are given to us by God, not by man. Therefore, they can't be taken away by government. They have to be respected and protected.
11: Yes, Tony. Look, I, as we talk about this, I'm reminded that the State Department didn't take away any of our rights yesterday. <laughs> they uh, uh, they simply repudiated the central understanding of the American tradition of human rights—the fact that, in fact, that we are are, are deeply endowed with this um, by. God and that no government can take them away from us. That is a dangerous proposition to suggest somehow that government can grant a set of rights for all of humanity because we know different nations will come to different conclusions. Uh, we, we know that they will uh, that uh, inside of the United States different places will come to different conclusions and these rights are inalienable. This is what our founders spoke of. Government can't take them away and it is uh, it's encouraging that I got notes from people all across the United States yesterday when they saw this Uh, regretting what the the biden state department did yesterday
1: but again they can uh, they can shelve it they can uh, deep six it uh, but the work has been done it's out there and my recommendation to our listeners and to others even at the state level uh, states ought to resurrect this document and use it as a guide point a guiding uh document in terms of the state perspective of these fundamental rights, because what, what how I see this maybe you see it differently, but I doubt it because uh, we th- see things pretty much the same. Uh, I think what they 're doing is they're clearing the deck so they can advance their priorities, which are not rooted in fundamental freedoms and fundamental rights, but it 's something they want to advance, like this other issue that I talked about, reproductive, quote, unquote, reproductive rights. They have to clear the deck in order to advance some of the things that they want to advance.
11: It was, you know, Tony, um, when the commission was formed, even before it had written its first word or held its first meeting, uh, it was attacked by the progressive radical left uh, as threatening to them. I I don't know what's threatening about a, a historical review of the foundational underpinning of the human rights tradition in the United States of America, I would have thought that a Secretary of State who took this seriously would have been welcomed by the human rights establishment. But in fact, it was not. It's because the reality is is they have their favorite favorite things, the things they like, uh, uh, things that they want to reward that are deeply disconnected from the central understandings of the United States of America. You talk about reproductive rights. There was no administration in history that supported women's health in the way that ours did. And there was no administration in history that protected the rights of the unborn with the same seriousness. One can do each of those two things, and we did those. And this administration is headed down a completely different
1: path. Well, not if you consider abortion health care, uh, which is what the the left now has, has done. If you're talking about women's health, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the, the previous administration expanded um, uh, under your leadership, under President Trump. Uh, but again... I, uh, you may not say this. I can say it more clearly because I'm uh, I'm a radio talk show host. At least that's one of the hats I wear. Uh, I, I think the problem with these uh, fundamental, recognized human rights that are rooted not only in our constitution but rooted, rooted in nature uh, is that it stands in the way. Religious freedom as being a fundamental human right, as it is in the nineteen recognized in the 1948 Universal Declaration of Rights of, of Human Rights stands in the way of some of the stuff that is being advanced today that the left has made their favorite um, uh, projects Um, and and they see these fundamental rights in particular religious freedom as a hindrance to their reshaping or deconstruction if you will of western civilization that's how i see it
11: yeah tony you know in addition to the commission we also started something that you participated into. The um, we, we call it the Religious Freedom Ministerial. That's a fancy name for bringing together faith leaders from all across the world. It was the largest human rights gathering in the State Department's history. We started it in 2018. And we th- these were people of every faith. There were Baha'i, right. there were Muslims, there were uh, Christians, uh, and there were people of no faith who came together to, that understood that even the right to not practice a faith, this, this idea that each individual inherently has the right to practice their faith in the way that they want it to, is something that's not consistent with the progressive's left view of the world. We can see this in their intolerance for the way they teach, t- t- treat students on campus who are uh, faithful students, the, the way that they treat business leaders who are committed to their own faith. And to your point, it, it stands in the way, this practice of one's faith that is, in my view, so central to the world order, and to, Amer- to the American tradition, is something that fundamentally stands in the way of the progressive left's ideas about how to place their vision for the world on each and every one of us.
1: And if there's one place that at is at in such in, um, in focus as intently as, as it is, is in our foreign policy, because 80% of the world is very religious. In fact, many of these other countries, while they have a different faith, they still are guided by that faith, and having that understanding and appreciation in our foreign policy, I think, is critical to success.
11: Tony, you can see it. In those nations where the leaders are faithful and disciplined in their own faith, whatever faith that may be, they, they think about the world in a way that understands that we are connected to something bigger than each of us. We're connected to the, the idea that there, there ought to be a golden rule, that every human being ought to be treated in a way that is consistent with their faith. Uh, This is a very important grounding in the the nations where religious freedom is completely absent, places like uh, Iran, places like North Korea and China. These are the places that the human condition is the most challenged around the
1: world. Yeah, without question. Um, Along those lines, let me ask you this question for our, our listeners all across this country and around the world who are very discouraged in this latest action by the State Department, Adds to that discouragement and concern, what is your message to believers, uh, not only here in the United States but around the world that was following america 's lead and was encouraged by what happened in the last four years but now it 's like they 're deflated
2: yeah
11: my, my message is be not discouraged uh, the The United States I think Churchill had it right uh, we in the end when we 've exhausted all the other possibilities, we get it right, and i i am I am confident that. Faithful leaders across the world, faithful leaders all across America will return our nation to the fundamental understandings that our founders had and these ideas, these ideas of protection of the unborn, these ideas about religious freedom, this, this central understanding of human beings being created in the image of God and therefore having these inherent rights as central to the way we think about our country. The, 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 we, we will prevail. We will yeah. be successful. And the United States will continue to be the most exceptional nation in the history of civilization.
1: We just have to do our part, and that is not shrink back in silence or uh, allow the the left with their megaphone of the media to, to drown out that hope uh, that we find. I, I, I want one final question for you. Um, and this pertains to one of the countries that you focused on intently. You mentioned just a moment ago the issue of, of China. we just got a couple of minutes left. Uh, but your concern about what we see happening with China.
11: Well, in a couple of minutes, it, it's difficult to summarize. But it is the case, Tony. And, and you have now suffered from this. This is the most uh, re- repressive regime that has led in China, the Chinese Communist Party under Xi Jinping. Uh, It is the greatest, most existential threat to the United States. Uh, Those of us who push back against it, they are fearful of. They have sanctioned you now or threatened you. They have sanctioned me and my family. It's because they know that their their foothold is tenuous. And this actually, I'll, I'll close here. This actually goes back to what we were just talking about. This is a nation that denies and represses any exercise of religion outside of the state. We know that's not sustainable. We know that model will not work. And we know that the people of China who want to practice their faith. Whatever faith that may be, will one day have that opportunity. The, the, the Lord will watch over them, and I am confident that we'll be in a better place five or ten years from now.
1: And while we have that freedom here, we need to use that freedom to speak on behalf of those that are being persecuted and repressed by their governments, those in China, Iran, and and elsewhere. Secretary of State, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us today.
11: Thank you, Tony. Bless you. Have a happy Easter.
1: You do the same. Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State and, and a great man. I've known him uh, since he was first elected to Congress from Kansas. Uh, he served as uh, the director of the Central Intelligence Agency before, rightfully so, President Trump tapping him to be Secretary of State. And he was an outstanding Secretary of State, first pro-life. Secretary of State, and it was evident Uh, he's a man of faith. Continue to pray for him as he uh, decides what he is going to be doing, what the Lord might be leading him to do uh, in the future. But I certainly hope he stays in the arena. I think he will. Uh, But he is one that uh, is at home, believe me, with his radio audience. So uh, to pray for him as he makes those decisions as to what he will be doing in the days ahead. And let me encourage you as he was saying, look, America has a long history. There have been times we've gotten it wrong, times we've gotten it right. But we cannot lose heart uh, and give in to discouragement. You know what Jesus said? He said, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So I encourage you actually tonight uh, to join us for Stand, And we'll be praying as we face some of the challenging issues of our day. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, PrayVoteStand.org. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.